All right, our hymn is number 21 in your green book, uh, the hymn of the day for Reminiscere. Um, it is, O Faithful God, We Worship Thee. Uh, it's four stanza hymn. It's only found in TLH in the Lutheran hymnal, not found in uh, the other ones. It's one of the six of the catechism hymns uh, that are... Uh, often used in the in the Lutheran Church, uh, first uh, included with a sermon in 1572, and uh, it has the subtitle under this one. Um, I, I, I was going to just go through the whole thing and then ask you which of the six chief parts it was, but I think I'll tell you anyway. Um, the title of it says, How One May Find Comfort in the Blessed Absolution. So it's referring to the fifth of the uh, chief parts, which is confession and absolution. All right, stanza number one. O faithful God, we worship thee. O faithful God, we worship thee. Thou pardonest our iniquity. Thou pardonest our iniquity. Thou grantest help in sin's distress. Thou grantest help in sin's distress. And soul and body thou dost bless. And soul and body thou dost bless. So it begins with a general announcement that we uh, worship the God. The God that does what? What kind of God do we have? The one who pardoneth, who forgives our iniquity, uh, sends it away. Forgives it, uh, our, our iniquity. Well, why? Well, the third stanza lets us know that uh, we need help. And what kind of help do we need? The particular help that we need is the distress caused by sin. That is the help that we need. And so here we have a God who helps us in our ultimate need from which you know, all other things uh, pale in comparison or are included underneath is this particular uh, uh, help that we need. And the very last line uh, refers to both soul and body. Uh, quite interesting, the collect for the day for Reminiscere also has within that uh, collect for the day uh, a reference to body and soul. This is soul and body. Uh, the colic says that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which assault and hurt the soul. And so asking for uh, help for both body and soul. God needs to defend us uh, that we might help for in body and soul. Here refers to soul and body that God does bless. I was reading uh, a large catechism as a... Uh, a reminder of, of, uh, of Lord's Supper, where it says, uh, Luther says, where, where the soul, uh, where there is forgiveness of sins, uh, uh, for the soul, the body uh, does benefit. Um, he says, of course, it, 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 it has to be. Um, and so here it refers as well to where that uh, soul receives the forgiveness of sins also, uh, there is a blessing upon upon the body. Stanza two. Thou through thy servant sayest to me. Thou through thy servant sayest to me. Thy sins are all forgiven thee. Thy sins are all forgiven thee. Depart in peace, but sin no more. Depart in peace, but sin no more. And ere my pardoning grace adore. And ere my pardoning grace adore. And so with stanza two, it talks about the servant that's going to tell him something. Who is that servant? Pastor. It is the pastor who has been sent as a servant of God. And so he's going to say, Thy sins are all forgiven. He's going to give you the absolution, the forgiveness of your sins. He's going to tell you to depart in peace, the peace that knows that things are uh, right with God, and therefore the God of the universe is going to provide and take care of all of your 
uh, life's actions and duties. It does say, but sin no more, um, that direction that where we have the forgiveness of sins, then we are going to continue to uh, uh, trusting in that forgiveness, uh, desire to amend our sinful lives. And finally, uh, that we would leave a life of adoring uh, the pardoning grace of God, that uh, is, of, of worshiping him. Stanza number three. O Lord, we bless thy gracious heart. O Lord, we bless thy gracious heart. For thou thyself dost heal our smart. For thou thyself dost heal our smart. Through Christ, our Savior's precious blood. Through Christ, our Savior's precious blood. Which for the sake of sinners flowed. So it speaks about the heart of God and said it is one of grace. It is a gracious heart, one in which he is giving us things we uh, do not deserve. He's providing that grace for us. Uh, then it talks about healing. Uh, it's going to heal our smart. Is that our, is that our brain? No. That's our pains and, pains and injuries. Yes, it's our, uh, the thing that has been injured, the thing that uh, uh, needs the help. And so uh, he is going to heal. Uh, and, and so, so what, what kind of thing gets healed then? What would be our smart? We're just talking about our, about our whole sinful body and soul and lives. Not just talking about physical stuff. Yes, yes. So our relationship with God has been harmed and it... Uh, uh, thus, our, our sinful nature uh, gets in the way of, of, of this. And so, uh, God's gracious heart is to provide that. How does he do that? Well, of course, stanza two, we have the servant saying the words, uh, but the content of those words, that they might be true and that it might provide for us, is founded in this third stanza where it talks about the Savior's precious blood, which flowed for the sake of sinners. And so that benefit which he won for us then is announced or given out um, uh, that God has done this, that we might believe in it and trust in it. Stanza number four. Give us thy spirit, peace afford. Give us thy spirit, peace afford. Now and forever, gracious Lord. Now and Thy word and holy sacrament, thy word and holy sacrament, preserve to us till life is spent. Preserve to us till life is spent. And so it is through the uh, healing of our sinfulness in giving us the forgiveness of sins, uh, he sends to us a Holy Spirit. He creates in us a new heart uh, by means of that Holy Spirit. Uh, not only that, uh, one of the fruits of forgiveness is to finally have the peace, the peace that passes understanding. The peace of what Christ has done objectively is announced, but then subjectively uh, that the Lord might afford that to us, that he might uh, give it to us, that we might experience that now and forevermore. So, the word and holy sacrament is the thing that we continue to need, we're always going to need. Uh, preserve that to us uh, till the last of our days, that is, till life is spent. All right, uh, we'll sing just the first uh, stanza of hymn number 21. It's a familiar. Tonight we have a section from the Sacrament of the Altar, 
Uh, you can either go in the green book to page 212, which has it, or you can get it in the small little white pamphlet like this, and it is found on page 25 in the little white pamphlet. So we've been taking a look at the sacrament of the altar. Actually, we looked at its questions one and two on Ash Wednesday before our service. Uh, what is the sacrament of the altar? Well, we take bread and wine. Uh, by the words of Christ, it becomes the body and blood under the bread and wine. Uh, it is given, and the Lord has told us what to do with it. He didn't say to parade it around. He didn't say to lock it up. He said for us to eat and to drink it. That is what the sacrament is, the one sacrament which he has instituted instituted by Christ himself. Question number two, we took a look at the words of institution. Uh, it's a conflation, a, a putting together a harmony of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul uh, so that we do not lose any of the words. And it is those words of institution which are the words which we use in connection with the sacrament that we might bless, that is, that we might uh, uh, designate these elements, these things which uh, the Lord is, is giving to us. Uh, these are the words of consecration, if you will. The element needs a word of God, and so these are those words. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it gave it to his disciples, said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do and remember to me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Take, drink, take, drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. What is the benefit? Question number three for tonight. What is the benefit of such eating and drinking? Answer, repeat after me. That is shown us by these words. That is shown us by these words. Given and shed for you for the remission of sins. Given and shed for you for the remission of sins. Namely, that in the sacrament... Forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. And so, the benefit of this, our Lord has told us. <laughs> Do this for the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, uh, this Lord's Supper is a treasure which we receive, which, we, uh, which, which Jesus has instituted and set up. Uh, not only is it a treasure in which we obtain it, but those words, the words of institution, are the words that invite us Take, eat, drink of it, all of you, uh, drawing us to that, that we, he, he wants us to have this treasure. Uh, he's pointing it out. He's not only set it out, but he has instituted words that we might know where it is, that we might uh, receive it. And this treasure forgiveness of sins works against all of those things which are against me. It works against my sin, which fights me, against the devil, who's trying to tempt me, and against the world that would lead me astray. That's what we have in Lord's Supper. It is not just one thing, but as it tells, where there's forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. You are a sinner. How did you get into the church? By repentance. By the forgiveness of sins? How did you receive that? Through our baptism into Christ. And so we say we are born again 
You received a new birth. You were born into the family of God. You became a Christian. Now that you are in the family of God, you still have a problem. It is that sinful nature. I preached about a a couple Sundays back. Um, The problem with that is that God has given us help. He has given us help with this Lord's Supper, with a daily uh, uh, food that we might uh, call upon uh, in order to turn back these attempts to uh, uh, drag us away from uh, God's, uh, as God's children. It is through this uh, meal that he has provided that he gives us refreshment in the faith. He gives us the power to please him. Uh, he gives us and, and him very, his very self, not just forgiveness of sins, but his body and blood. Um, Christ in me and, and myself in him. Uh, and so, uh, we consider this Lord's Supper not as something that we should uh, uh, hold off or, or, or not have. Um, I mentioned this morning uh, in the uh, Ember Day service, uh, I was referring to Philip Melanchthon. Actually, uh, I used quite a few of his words uh, in the sermon. And, and he mentions uh, that St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 as he is using the words of institution and teaching them, and he says, and so when you gather together, and then he goes on to give them instructions about Lord's Supper. And and so Melanchthon says, when you gather together, uh, what St. Paul is telling us is that most of our gathering together is for the purpose of Lord's Supper. That is a part of the gathering together. And why is that? Because we know what a great benefit this particular thing is. And he goes on to talk about, in connection with this gathering together, he wants his church gathered together. Why? So they can proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. They can preach about what the Lord has done, not only by receiving this, but uh, in the... Uh, in the preaching and the, and the reading of, of the word itself, uh, that they can, by their coming together, they can show that they are the church and the great wonders which Christ uh, has given to them, that they rely upon it. And then, having received this uh, uh, forgiveness and, and what they have said, this then shows by their gathering that they are not a part of other gatherings of the sects and of the uh, uh, false teachers and of uh, those that have uh, rights and that which, which disagree, the, uh, the Masons and Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons. and whatever. No, no. Our gathering together is here around this Lord's Supper and the doctrine and the teaching that goes, that goes with it. Um, and so... Uh, this Lord's Supper, these benefits of forgiveness, show us uh, what he is uh, providing. So where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Uh, Life, abundant life. Uh, A life that lives in that forgiveness. What kind of life is that? Well, that is none other than what we would call a Eucharistic life. That is, a life of thanksgiving, a giving of thanks. And so, for the Christian, uh, the primary purpose of receiving Lord's Supper is that we might have forgiveness of sins. But as the Book of Concord and others say, you know, with everything, there can be more than one thing going on. That is primary, and without it, nothing else happens. But there should be, then, a giving of thanks uh, a speaking out, not only of what he is giving, but a receiving of that gift with thanksgiving, uh, that our life might show it. And that's what an abundant life, forgiveness of sins, the life that we have. And then we would say a, a salvation that comes uh, uh, being saved, not only in this life, but at, at the end of, uh, of our life. All right, so uh, uh, the purpose uh, this is for uh, forgiveness of sins. All right, how do we get this forgiveness of sins? 
Um, there are some that have said, well, we can get this forgiveness of sins. Uh, the way that we get it is that we have uh, uh, the priest, we have, him, we have him come up, and then he offers up this, this sacrifice that God told him to do, and by that he earns a little bit of forgiveness, and then he can give it out to you, or he can give it out to those who have uh, uh, died or to other people. And so you might say, well, see, there's forgiveness of sins that's being given out with, uh, with, with Lord's Supper. Hmm. I don't think it says that in Scripture. <laughs> um, if I was a good Catholic, I might buy that. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to. Because, um, I, because I know that's not true. There's that is not true. supports any of that. Um, that. That makes God basically uh, like like the, the Toastmaster doling out stuff in the food line. And if you don't get enough, you don't make it. Very good. Um, right, so first thing, Karen, uh, the word sacrifice. You see it in the words of institution? Yeah, not at all. Um, is that its purpose? No, it is not. Um, next thing is, uh, um, yeah, Toastmaster, the, uh, when you say that this is an action that I must do in order to earn something. Then you're taking away from what God has done. God does everything for us. Correct. And because God, God, God is something we can't grasp. The idea that we have any part in something that can create the universe win is, is, is worse than ridiculous. Correct. God doesn't need us to do anything. <laughs> he does it all for us. And, and he's not waiting for us before he, we get, he gives out his gifts. I took care of this before. Um, I got all these goodies up in heaven, but until you like do that thing I asked you to do, you can't have any of it. Ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. No, uh, um, that, is, that, is, that is not what happens. Um. It's funny, but being a Christian is the easiest thing in the world and the hardest thing. Yes. 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 Because I mean, we don't have to do anything. All we have to do is believe. And we don't want to. As soon as I tell you that you get to merit it or earn it, you already know that this is you know, not the way of, well, justification. It's not the way of salvation. God's, the only one who has ever earned anything is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one who has earned it, and then he is giving it out. Um, this then becomes not a means by which we earn something, but it is uh, what God is giving out, uh, the benefits that Christ has already won. There are in the scriptures sacrifices. There are two kinds and only two kinds. There is a propitiatory sacrifice and there is thanksgiving or Eucharistic sacrifices. Of the propitiatory sacrifices, how many are there that earn the forgiveness of sins? One. Under that category falls Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. There are no other propitiatory sacrifices. When you talk about the priest doing something that he might earn something, you begin to go, wait a minute, you're describing a propitiatory sacrifice. You're describing a, a merit. Two things happen with that. A, a, a meriting it, and then what is even more crazy is that by him meriting it, then he can give it out to somebody else. Now you've made yourself... What? I mean, it's works righteousness if you just earn it for yourself. But if you do it and then you give it out, you made yourself God. You have made yourself a mediator on behalf of others. And once again, we go back to Hebrews where it says there is only one mediator between God and man. And so, what happens again? You, you, you have that which is is not. All other sacrifices are thanksgiving. What is being uh, thanking for what God has already provided? and has given to us. The Old Testament sacrifices were a confession that they trusted in the promise. 
So they actually worked two ways. And the primary and the first primary way was just what you said. They were designed to be a picture of Christ. They were to always have before their mind that where there is forgiveness of sins, there's going to have to be something die. And it was a lamb, a scapegoat, you know, a shedding of the blood that it might be a a reminder, a pointing forward to what was going to happen. So absolutely. And so trusting in God's going to provide something like this in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And that was for the forgiveness of sins. There is a secondary, and and I'm going to say, there will be sometimes that you will hear words like atonement or... Propitiatory or not, I, I think it's another word. Um, it is not talking about meriting the forgiveness of sins, but there is, for example, civic stuff going on. That is the uh, nation Israel. If you wanted to be a part of the nation of Israel, you followed these rules, and when you did this, then you were admitted back into the fellowship. Now, when the civic Nation went away. Well, those laws went away too. But um, but there is some that talk in that way. But it's not talking about. There was no sacrifice in the Old Testament that merited the forgiveness of sins. So it was a delivery form. Yes. God delivered His forgiveness through the priest. Correct. By the offering of the sacrifice. So things like circumcision. Passover, sacrificial animals were all sacramental, if you will, a delivery of the forgiveness that Christ would win. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, with these, you do get forgiveness of sins in Lord's Supper, but it is a delivery. It is not a merit, it is not an earning. Um, similarly, with the other system, uh, you're going to multiply the numbers of masses that you want to say because you're going to have to keep getting get this and get this and get this. Um, for us, we do wish to receive often because that's what the Lord says. Why? Because this is where he is strengthening and helping us. Uh, and so we will uh, receive in that way. All right. Um, questions? Yes, then. I would like prayer for my family. Okay. When we get to that, we'll do it. All right, we're on page 224. I'll light the candles and we'll begin. deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Matthew 15. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. 
But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is God's word. The hymn is hymn number 21 in the green book. Go faithful God, we worship thee. skirts. Uh, He's been about two years of ministry and uh, uh, he's got about one year left to go. Uh, He's already past the point, if you want to talk about usually we talk about a year and a half and then a year and a half. His uh, number of people that are following him had had reached its peak with about the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, uh, at this point there begins to uh, uh, have resistance from the Pharisees, the scribes, and so he is already starting to not go out into public places in order to uh, avoid some of this uh, confrontation with those. Nevertheless, as he is, as it talks about the region of Tyre and Sidon, uh, it looks as if he is going to go through the region of Sidon and he is going way off into the uh, uh, edge of the Uh, Israelite territory and a woman not a Jewish woman but a Gentile woman uh, comes from from Sidon uh, obviously uh, notes that that he is there and she won't even even wait for him as if it looks as if he's going to he doesn't end up but it looks as if he's going to come into her region uh, she doesn't even wait for that. She goes directly to him. And so, how did? Why did she come to him? 
How did she get faith? She is in Gentile territory. But his ministry, the news of it had gone out. And even this woman in the surrounding Gentile territory knew who he was. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this news of this miracle worker, this savior, this prophet who has come, uh, and uh, he is loving, uh, he welcomes, he heals, she knows of him. Uh, so, she leaves her area. As I said, just because there is a resistance, it doesn't mean that the people uh, aren't uh, going out to him and uh, uh, hearing about him. So, she comes out to him from that region. She says, have mercy on me. Okay. Um, it's a good thing to say. And mercy can imply, well, different things. Uh, for her, what kind of mercy does she want? She wants her daughter healed. She wants her daughter healed. She has a daughter who is uh, uh, severely demon-possessed. And so uh, she comes out of asking mercy uh, on behalf of uh, her daughter. She describes Jesus in direct address as, O Lord, Son of David. Oh, Lord, okay. High term of respect, sir, a little bit higher. But son of David, what do you know? She's been paying attention to the Jews. Yes, she has. And so uh, this is a woman, uh, Gentile though she may be, that is by nationality. Uh, I think, what is this, Matthew? Um I think Mark calls her a Syrophoenician woman or something like that and uh, uh, refers, he just simply calls her a woman of Canaan. Uh, Matthew's gospel is written to who? Jews. Jews and Mark's Gentiles. Uh, Mark simply makes reference to the region where the uh, woman is from. Uh, Matthew uses the old reference to uh, the Canaanites hadn't been wiped out as they were supposed to be earlier. And so their religion, the Canaanites, a woman of the, uh, of the religion of the land, is still around. And so here she comes. Uh, but she knows he is the son of David. She has been taught. She's learned the word of God. She knows that this is a term for the Messiah, the Savior, that is promised according to the Hebrew uh, Old Testament, according to the Jewish writings. And so she comes seeking from him uh, uh, this particular help. Verse 23, he answered her not a word. You can imagine him walking along. He's got 12 apostles, 12 men walking with him. And he doesn't stop, doesn't pay attention, uh, doesn't stop and help. Um, and it would appear that, that the disciples are getting a little agitated by this. They'd say that he ought to send her away, for she cries out after us. Send her away. Um, yeah, either one... Uh, you're not going to help her. Uh, you might as well just tell her that and get her out of here. But we know that's wrong. Um, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't going to help her. In fact, he intended to help her. But at this point, he says nothing. It may also be that the disciples uh, know Jesus. They know that he is loving. And so they say to her, why don't you give her what she wants and send her away, that she might depart in peace. Um, I don't exactly know which one it is, but they're pretty sure that uh, uh, he doesn't. He's, he's taken them out to this far-off region. Um, he doesn't necessarily want a whole lot of people knowing about this, and she's kind of messing up the plan. So uh, uh, they have an, uh, a way about this. Send her away. He has an answer for them. It's not said to the woman, though, and I think that's significant. It's not said directly to her. 
He says to them, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is this a is this a no or a yes for the woman? It's a yes, huh? Hmm. Interesting. Most people would say it was a no. Is this where Israel means the new church? Well, now, okay. So tell me more. Well, he knows she has faith. Yes. Because he's God. And so he's speaking to her as a child of God, the new Israel, the new bride Christ, right? Okay. So you think he's calling her a lost sheep? Telling the disciples they're proud. They're what? Proud. They're proud. Yeah. And so he's rebuking the disciples. That's part of it. Ooh, all right, all right. Karen doesn't get that part. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm thinking about this lost sheep thing. Aren't we all lost sheep? All right, so here's the normal way of looking at it. Yes, I, I know. You've told me several times your brain doesn't exactly work the same way that mine does. So we'll, we'll give you the, the, I'll get you the general thing and then you can, uh, um, and, and I'm not saying you're right. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, okay? Um, the, the normal way that this is understood is when the Old Testament refers to the sheep, it is referring to the promised church. It's referring to the Jewish nation. And so when he comes and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, I was sent only to the Jews and those Jews who have gone astray. And so, you, you know, by saying this, he's saying to the disciples, the reason I'm ignoring her is because she's a Gentile and she's not part of the people that I came for. That's the way it's normally looked at. And so the woman would overhear this and go, you know, I'm a Gentile, and he just, you know, what told them I was sent only to the Israelites. Is he saying no to me or not? All right, I held up on Eric. Eric? We kind of talked about this in Bible study a little bit, that Jesus was, he, God was sent to the Jews to be a light to the Gentiles. It wasn't neglecting, it was for them. And probably, as Pastor Ring was pointing out, a misconception on the Jews' part that they would, that Christ was only meant for them. Right. (laughs) Ignored the Gentiles. Correct. And so, um, normally it's understood, as Pastor Arun says, it's normally understood that the disciples are going, yeah, she's a Canaanite, just send her away, tell her, you know, quit, quit. You know, you're not going to help her because she's not really, you know. And the Jews always referred to the Gentiles as dogs. So that, you know, it's it's a rebuke against against them in, in some degree. Um, so what is, let me get one more thing, and then I want to come back to exactly what you said, because you're right, we did deal with that a, a bit in Bible class uh, this last Sunday. So she doesn't give up. She comes and falls at his feet and says, Lord, help me. And he says, it's not right, it's not good, it's not proper to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. The Jews often refer to the Gentiles as dogs. Now, dogs in the sense that dogs were uh, the... the carrion eaters of the dead. Yeah, you know, um, they, they were not domesticated. They went anywhere and everywhere, and all they did was, you know, yeah. Um, and so this is what we're talking about, kind of the vultures of the day and, and coyotes or whatever you want to kind of describe it as, um, where the Jews would say, we are people who have been given God's word, God's law, and we follow it. They don't have a law and don't, and thus, they just do whatever it feels like. Um, we eat when we're supposed to eat and we, 
you know, only uh, have sex with our, our spouse and we follow, they do all kinds of crazy stuff and they're dogs. They just look like dogs. So that was the, the uh, idea. Once again, my point is, is does it sound like a yes or a no to the woman? Well, it definitely sounds like a no. Both of these sound like no's. Um, but he didn't tell her no. At the beginning, he is silent. He didn't send her away. The disciples say, well, just send her away. He didn't. And when it gets to the next part, he doesn't. He says this to the disciples, but he doesn't. And then he says something else to the disciples. And of course she's hearing, but he didn't say it to her. And at no point did he say, no, I will not help you. At no point did he send her away. In fact, that was not his point at all. Um, Well, part of the answer to this question is what she says to him. Yes. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, when when she calls him son of David, what does that make her? That makes her a believer. A believer. Yeah. A child of God. Right. An Israelite, if you will. Yes. Isn't Jesus using this to teach his disciples that he came for everybody? He didn't just come for the Israelites. Correct. Absolutely. And so on the one hand, he is taking the disciples and he is letting them know exactly just what you said. I'm going to repeat it word for word, but you said it right on point. What Eric says is, on the other hand, he is teaching this woman. He is not just jerking her around. He is not taking a, uh, a piece of food and, and lifting it up higher each time to see how high she can jump. He, that, that's not our Savior. But what he is actually doing is he is teaching her what? That the Messiah, the son of David, was sent to come to the Jews as the Savior. He was to be a Jewish Savior who would die for the sins of the world. There what you know? Did he didn't come, he didn't come and and be a Canaanite savior and be a Japanese savior and be a whatever? If you will be saved, you're gonna have to go to the Jewish savior because that's the way God works. And so it was according. So what's he doing? He's taking a Canaanite woman and he is letting her know. Listen. I have come that I might suffer and die and fulfill my role for the people. In very good time, about a year and a half, we will send everyone out to go and to preach it to all the other nations. There's a particular way that this works, and this is what. But, as this Jewish Savior, can she trust in him? Can she come to him to be saved, or to come to him for her daughter and whatever? Absolutely. When she finally goes, um, and she, and she never she never uh, disagrees with Jesus. When Jesus says, "I came for the lost sheep of Israel," she says, "I know, but now I need your help." And when he says to her that uh, um, you know even the wild dogs get the crumbs, she says, "Fine. I know that there is. I know you come for the children, but the dogs are going to benefit." I know you're come as the Jewish Savior and all of the other nations are going to receive this light. She holds on to that and doesn't give up. So so what we see is him teaching the apostles that he came for the Gentiles, him teaching a Gentile woman that your Savior comes from the Jews. You have to hold to their word, their Savior. That's the plan. Um, If I was going to apply this uh, to us, I would say it is in this way. Uh, we need to teach the world that, yes, there is a God, and yes, there is salvation, but it's not because all ways lead to him and we're all going to the same place. There is one Savior, and he happens to be a Jewish carpenter that suffered and died. Jane, did you have... Well, it seems like he's reinforcing the truth that it's not anything in us that makes him be our savior. He is a savior, and not whether we're Jew or whether we're Gentile or anything. It's not anything in right. us. It's him right. giving his mercy to whoever he chooses to. Yeah. Both Jews and Gentiles are unworthy. Everybody's unworthy. Right, everybody is, exactly. 
Yeah, that's the point. And it seems, amongst other things, that he's giving the whole picture that was t- telling telling both sides, teaching, reiterating both sides the whole plan, and at and correcting what where they might be weak in their understanding. Right, right. So. You've left Sidon. You've come over to here. Good. Now I want to teach you what that... This part. This part. Exactly. Uh, For us, I would say every one of us has to say, you know, it's only because they were a light to us that we have salvation. We're the Gentiles. We're the ones. Yes, he came for the lost sheep of Israel, and guess what? We benefited. Um, uh, He came and gave the children their bread... And we got the we got the crumbs. Ah, look what we got. Um, uh, they had twelve. We had uh, Saint Paul, um, and yet that the blessings overflow. Um, there is I, there, there is something to be said, and, and that's why Karen, I, I don't want, I want to say that you're wrong. Every one of those passages, and I think that's what Pastor Rune was in, uh, hinting at as well. Each one of those can be understood in what we would call a spiritual sense. You know, who is the 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 sheep of God's? Well, of course we all are. Um, who? It's all who believe in Christ. You know, it's no longer limited by. And who are the lost sheep? Well, at some point we were all part of the line of Adam and Eve and on down, and then well, some got lost. Um, this is the calling back. So is she being called? Absolutely. Is she, you know, um, what do we find? Uh, she's treated like a child at the table, not like a dog. She's, she's willing to be called a dog, if that's what Jesus wants to call her. But then, uh, uh, oh woman, great is your faith. Wow. Um, he uh, uh, showers that upon her. Uh, this isn't the only Gentile. This is the second one. Uh, Matthew... Eight or nine or, or, or so, we have uh, another one. We have the centurion who, uh, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Uh, yes, of course. So, let it be to you as you, as you desire. Uh, her desire is to receive mercy, and she will in fact receive that, and that daughter was healed. What do we see? Well, under my headings on the back of that page, I talked about Jews and Gentiles. We've talked about that. We've talked probably about suffering and faith, uh, where there is suffering, where there are things that go according to our plan, not according to our plan. When it appears that God is silent to us, uh, it is not because he does not want to help. Um, but in fact, uh, he does care for us. We also need to be very careful this Evening, we took a look at the absolution. And what did we say about the absolution? It was God sending his servant to give us a word. I forgive you your sins. Yeah, that's direct address. There are many other times that things are said, you know, maybe from the pulpit, maybe uh, uh, concerning things. And we tend to try to apply that to ourselves. uh, when there is concern, we ought to always remember that it is our God and Savior that loves us. Uh, every part of that scripture is intended for our love. It's not to push us away. Um, and so, in the midst of our suffering, uh, our faith ought to cling to him, even when it appears that he's not answering. And that would then lead us to confidence that we have in prayer that he hears us. Questions? All right, we'll do our responsive prayer on your tan sheet. Please stay. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, have mercy and hear us. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord. That I may proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous words. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men. In whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful to my foot stands in an even place. In the congregations I will bless the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be The Lord be with you. And with us, Let us pray. We ask, dear Lord, that you might comfort us with your word, especially with your word as a sacrament uh, that gives to us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. I ask also, dear Lord, uh, that you would provide uh, clearness of mind for bent, uh, as well as salvation for his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. O God, our Heavenly Father, seeing that of ourselves we have no strength, keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The final petition. O God, who makes the unworthy worthy, sinners righteous, impure pure, work in me true repentance for my sins and misdeeds, for my daily and countless transgressions. 
Through faith in thy Son, make me worthy to receive the sacrament of thy Son's body and blood for the cleansing of my soul and body of all shame and sin. Through him who offered himself to thee, O God, Father, the perfect propitiatory sacrifice, who is our sinless and only mediator, through the high priest Jesus Christ, thy dear Son. Amen. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.